I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. We're pretty messed up, hey! We're pretty messed up, hey! We're pretty messed up! Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, AJ McLean, with my beautiful co-host. Welcome back. We've missed Yay. you so much, Cher Bear. I've missed you guys. It's about time you come back. Yes, I Jesus. feel like I haven't seen you in a year. Yeah, where have you been? We've oh, you know, literally Hawaii. Been waiting for you. <laughs> you know, Hawaii. Hawaii and Maui. Nice. Mm. Yes, I got my Maui tan. This is an actual real tan. AJ, you look AJ, great. AJ, so that's AJ not dancing with the stars spray tan? No, but can you imagine spray tan on top of this? Oh, tan? no. You would, oh, my goodness. No, you would look but like, like an Oompa Loompa. You only, I love that look. You only um, have seen me really white, like pandemic, Cheryl. And that was like uh, borderline, I was basically see through. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some photos of you from the past where you were Oompa Loompa. chocolatey brown. You were Oompa Loompa for, for yeah. sure. Like, yep, it wasn't, and I love it. You really? look great. You look great, It's an addiction. Cheryl. Tanning. Thank you, Renee. I've missed you both it so is. much. It, it is, is an addiction. addiction. I mean, have you not seen the tan mom? Like how much she tans? Wait, is that what her name is? It, the tan yes, mom? Yes. She's known as the tan mom. And like, oh I gosh. kid you not, she would go and do like two or three sessions a day. A wow. day. Mixing yeah, it mean, with like UV tanning bed and spray tan. Totally. It is. And it's like a layer of skin for us women, you know, like we feel skinnier we feel like you can see our muscle tone better it's just oh, you look get contour with uh, you know shading and stuff exactly. but it's definitely yeah. true that you look healthier right yeah i yeah. think so you yeah. just so, feel like yeah i mean i got so burnt though i mean it was pretty bad in my chest okay so okay so listen on my honeymoon my wife and i went to bora bora oh, we, and I we really want to go there and, and we went in january nobody told us that that is monsoon season oh so we're there for 11 days. For the first, like, nine days, it was just rain. Rain, rain, rain. We never left our little bungalow. Finally, the sun comes out. 
She wakes me up at like 6 a.m. Babe, the sun is out. The sun is out. We have to go to the beach. So we go lay out for maybe hour, hour 45. It gets overcast again. We stay out there. That night, everybody comes out of their bungalows. Like Ricky Martin and his husband were there. Like we had no idea who else was there. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting and having dinner and my wife starts moving around and she's getting really uncomfortable and she looks nauseous. And I'm like, is everything okay? She goes, I don't feel good. Can we go back to our you know, bungalow? I'm like, mm-hmm. sure. As we're walking back, she says, hey, can you take a picture of, of the back of my legs and like my you know, butt area? So it's pitch blackout. I got a flash on my camera. She lifts up her dress. I kid you not, oh this was the color on her skin. It was like, oh. Purple and blue. Why? She had second degree burns. No. She couldn't even sit down. Because she couldn't you just, use the toilet. Oh, the sun is so strong. And we had to fly seven hours back the next day. And to this day, we've been married coming up on 10 years. She still has a permanent tan line. No. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. I'll oh, never. Yeah. F- <laughs> you know, Matt, Matt also, he was like a tan whore. He was like out trying to get as much sun as possible. He's like, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And yeah. then cut to he is he was so burnt like he couldn't he could barely walk. You guys are both pretty translucent people like all year round. So, <laughs> yeah, I, can but I have that Filipino blood, you know, so like I can yeah. get really tan. I fell asleep once on one of the islands in the Philippines, woke up my whole half of my face was peeling. It was pretty bad. Well, that's like this guy over here on our boys trip that we just went out to uh, Utah, every time we would go out to hike or bike, we're all spraying ourselves with SPF 50. Yeah. And he's like, no, nope, I don't, I don't, I don't do that stuff. <laughs> and I yet if you look protection. at his arms with a shirt your, off, wait, if put you your look tank at his arms on the shirt off. Oh my God. Put your tank top on. Let me see that. He is. Wait, he's no, got tan great. lines. Hey, he's but speaking, speaking of wardrobe, let's not pretend that you didn't buy those shorts for Zaya. Okay. So what? I don't know if you saw this video, but so this whole boys trip was kind of like a, a boys trip slash bachelor party for one of our closest oh. friends, Zaya. Um, and I saw this video on TikTok and I took it and I ran with it and I went on Amazon and I bought these. It's a, it's a pair of like, you know, swimming trunks. Like mm-hmm. lifeguard shorts. Yeah. Like lifeguard Daisy bathing suit. They disintegrate in water. What? So yes. he puts them on. We all jump in the pool at our, at our Airbnb Two minutes go by. He goes to get his water on the side of the pool, and he looks down and goes, "Oh my God, what's happening? What, what's, what's happening? happening? His, his hands his, gone. They just disintegrated. Wait, what do you mean? Why would they do that? As a prank? It's a it's a prank. So his that little, is amazing. So you guys. He walks out of the pool with his shiny white bare ass <laughs> to go put on a real bathing suit. His face though, his face when oh. he goes, wait, he goes, wait, what's happening? I didn't know yeah, there was wait, such what's, thing. What's it is. It's I got to really prank my husband. I'm doing that for our it's next so vacay. Good. Oh, you have to. All right. Listen. So we have our guest waiting in the waiting room. I'm going to do a little quick backstory real quick. Uh, our guest today is the senior culture and events editor at Variety. He's a columnist and a podcast host of Just for Variety. He's one of Hollywood's most recognizable faces on the red carpet, an award-winning and Emmy-nominated journalist with more than two decades of experience working across broadcast, print, and digital media. Uh, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Mark Malkin. Come on in, buddy. Hi, Mark. Hi. I love your bow tie. 
Oh, thanks. Hi, Cheryl. I haven't Hi, seen honey. you in a long time. I know. I was just saying to the boys that I we go way back, back when we used to do normal red carpets and Remember be able that? to stand oh, there with days. no mask. Yeah. I know. Mark, That's Mark have we met? Mark, have we met before? I think we've we met. Yeah, we have a few times. I think on a carpet or two. Yes, I'm, act- yes, I'm yes. actually in New York to do a carpet for Tribeca oh. for opening night. So oh, nice. hold on really quickly before yeah. we dive in. Uh, can you please let me see those amazing nails of yours right now? That's oh, why I'm yeah. running a little bit. Nice. <laughs> That's phenomenal. You know what? So I actually have a nail polish brand uh, that is currently out. I am going to send you some of my polish now that I see yeah. that you're wearing some. I am definitely going to send you some. You're definitely I, special. I'm still waiting I, for mine. Oh, my gosh. I, I was literally running around Canal Street just now because my nail polish was all chipped. I'm like, I can't do this without <laughs> my nails done. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, just a little backstory. Uh, yep. All three of us are in recovery. We are sober. We've all crashed and burned and made it out the mm-hmm. other side. Um, this show is basically we talk about mental health, recovery, and living life on life's terms. And hopefully by sharing our experience, strength, and hope, whether it's amongst us three or with our guests, we can help somebody out there um, get their life back on track. So welcome, welcome, Amazing. welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, for those of you listening that don't know much about Mark's backstory, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself there, my friend? Well, I was born back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, grew up in Queens, New York, Howard Beach, the infamous Howard Beach. Left there pretty quickly, went to school in Boston. Started my career in Boston. I'm a journalist, I'm a reporter. I thought I was going to, you know, break the next Watergate. That was my dream. And then all of a sudden I fell into so-called celebrity journalism, entertainment journalism. Um, in magazines, I've worked everywhere. New York Magazine, Us Weekly, New York Daily News, Entertainment Tonight, The Insider, E! News. And now I've been at Variety. It'll be three years at the end of July. Um, and I love it and I love what I do. It's, it's my drug of choice these days. It's always yeah. been a drug of choice. Just sometimes when, when we saw drug. each other last Mark, were, were you working for E? Was that it? Or Probably it e? E. Yeah, e. I was yeah. at, I was at E for about 11 years. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's where my sort of on camera red carpet life began. Did not have any plans to do that, by the way. Everyone's yeah. like, Oh, you want your own show? I'm like, no, I'm a reporter. <laughs> I like just talking to people. So yeah. that's sort of a very quick nutshell. And now I live in LA with my husband of, I always forget. He's going to kill me okay. every time. Me too. He's um, only been two years. Round up, round up. <laughs> just, round yeah, up. always, Eight always years. round up. Nice. Yeah, Eight round years. up, round up. It'll be, yes. it'll be 10, it'll be 10 years there together in August. But Wow. Awesome. Um, Congratulations. Years married. Thank you. And you also have two dogs, right? We have, yes, we do. We have a uh, Paca and we have Jeb, and they're our children, I guess. Nice. So gay, but yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. Pets, pets good. are with people you, too. Pets are people too. I was going to say, Mark, welcome to the show. I'm Renee. Thank you. Uh, you're probably wondering <laughs> who's this guy. <laughs> so before we dive into some more, you know, serious tones, um, are we the three most famous people you've ever interviewed? <laughs> At least today. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Uh, Before you good, hit right? that red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Quick. Quick and witty. I'm kidding. Listen, I, I say this all the time, I, and this isn't blowing smoke up people's ass. 
I fall in love with everyone I interview because I just love talking to people. Every That's single awesome. one? Yeah, seriously. I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't, I've had a couple of. Give us the dirt. Eh. Come on, Mark. Names. We need names. <laughs> we need names and And uh, maybe addresses. last names, yeah. <laughs> Phone numbers. <laughs> um, yeah, so I usually fall in love with everyone. Um, <laughs> no, I really, I just love talking to people. And that's why I that's think, awesome. you know, to pat myself on the back, why I think I'm yeah. good at what I do, because I don't, Absolutely. I'm just having a conversation. You're curious, too. You're curious yeah, about so. their lives, and you listen. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly it. Do you know Dave, David Geffen, not to drop names, but he told me once, he said he loves learning from other people. He goes, I know everything about myself. It's other right. people that make the world interesting. So that is an art form, though, by the way, being a good listener is not easy for me. at least. <laughs> no. And what I always say about journalism, it's just an extension of school because every day I have to become an expert. And yes, I cover. You have Hollywood to educate yourself. Yeah. 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 And you have to do these deep dives on things. And I just I get excited by just learning. I know it's That's not cool. exactly the same, but something that I that I know myself and some of my bandmates have started doing is especially when we're going to brand new cities that we've never been on tour, you know, whether it's Columbia on this most previous leg before the shutdown, um, doing some research about that country so that when we're on stage, we can, we can really try to relate even more. Yeah. Not, not, not just through our music, but like talk about iconic places in that country or certain foods or whatever. And then the fans lose their mind. If you mention like the biggest tourist spot or the underground, place that like nobody knows about but the locals then people are like oh my god they really love our country and we and we do obviously we do but it's always nice to educate yourself and And it's respectful and and there's a sense of respect there you're going to this country you're going to this city you want to learn their language do you learn how to say hi and bye or we yeah like yeah i mean the bare bones you know but there's certain places that we've been to for years and years like germany I, i could speak not fluent, but I'm pretty damn oh. good at it. Oh, really? But, but like we spent the first two and a half, almost three years of our career in Germany, Austria, Switzerland before we mm. touched the U.S. So mm. we kind of had to. I could speak a little bit of Japanese, oh. um, you know, so AJ, just enough ha- to get by. AJ, Got have it. you ever said the wrong name of the wrong city? <laughs> I haven't, but Howie has multiple times yes. and, I, and, and I have no shame in saying it. We literally, <laughs> we had just flown from the U.S. into Toronto and I think we were in Dallas last and our, or no, we were in Chicago and like how he gets up there. We're in Canada and he's like, what's up Chicago. And the entire place <laughs> like, Hey, what? We're, we're not sure. What, where do you think you are, bro? Did they start oh, yeah. booing? No, they just kind of laughed. And then how he's like, Oh crap, my bad. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in a different country now. Yeah. Come on, dude. Um, okay, Mark. So I have a few questions for you. Now we're we're reversing. We're, we're turning the tables here, right? I'm so ahead. used to you interviewing me. Um, <laughs> so you know, June is Pride Month. Um, what does Pride mean to you? God, I've been asking so many LGBTQ plus celebrities that, and I haven't thought about it myself. Oh, mm-hmm. well, Pride. Tripped, yeah, yeah, you got me. What Pride means to me is owning my truth. Um. You know, no, being gay isn't the only thing about me, but you know what? It's a really big thing about me. In this world, it's going to be a big thing. When you're marginalized, it's going to be a big thing. Um, And I love living in my truth. I love 
there's nothing that makes me happier than saying my husband. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. You know, and everyone, and I'll admit every once in a while, I'll about to say it. I'm like, who's this person I'm talking to? Mm-hmm. I still have that. You still you have just, that, yeah. You just don't know. It doesn't happen often. Right. Um, but I love saying it and the way people react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be something like, oh, or oh, right. or I have a son or I have a cousin. You know, it's all of a sudden tell you everything. Right, but right, right. that pride is about that. And it's also about honoring our past. Um specifically um, the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two uncles who both died of AIDS. Um, I have HIV myself. My husband has HIV. Um, and I always say everything that I do right now, when it comes to my reporting on HIV or AIDS or being or living in my truth, it's an honor of my uncles because they were never allowed. They were never allowed that truth. When they died, it was they died of cancer. Um, I had to ask my family what they died for. I had to say to them, they died of AIDS, didn't they? Because this was back in the earlier days of the epidemic. Right. You know, um, when gay marriage was legalized, when the Supreme Court came down with their decision, I cried, cried. Mm. But I didn't want to get married, by the way. I wasn't <laughs> married yet. And my husband was like, I don't understand. Because he wants to get married, you wanted to right. get married. He said, "You're crying. You're so emotional." I said, "Because the fact is, we got to get that choice." Mm-hmm. And then something snapped one day, and I asked him to marry me, and here we are, almost eight years later. And I, and it's an honor of my uncles. They were never given that choice, and I'm living that life that they weren't allowed to. Literally, it's we're beautiful. not allowed to. It's about equality, isn't it? You know, yeah. I've I've always been like AJ and everybody here uh, a proponent of equality, right? A yeah. proponent of equality. I I ended up co-writing thirty-seven songs with Janet Jackson, and we a lot of our focus was about we we wrote songs specifically for the gay community. A place yeah. called one song was called Free Zone, uh, and for me, it's any time I see people being oppressed right? No matter mm-hmm. what the stripe is. Um, I feel that, uh, I feel it in my gut. You know, I feel that like when people aren't treated like human beings, I feel in my gut and I'm so proud. I'm just going to brag on my daughter for a second. She's, she's, um, she, she's nine years old. She's an artist and she sent me this and, and it was for pride month right here. Oh, oh, oh wow. That's nine. That's She's amazing. Nine. She's, She's nine, nine years yeah. old, you guys. And wow. she, she posted it on her Instagram. She does, never shows her face on Instagram, but she posted it as Sassy Swanis, who, who she's on as. <laughs> I'm going to start and, following um, her. And she, she hashtagged all the LGBTQ, and she wrote wow. such a beautiful thing. I didn't even know. She sent me the photo, but I went on her Instagram and I, I read what she wrote and she's talking about one love and everyone mm-hmm. should be treated equally. And I was like, oh my God. So th- I wanted to mention that because I feel that it's our responsibility to f- shape, help shape the minds of the young ones to be open-minded, to be yep. tolerant, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I needed to, 
throw that in there. I know AJ's no, always dude, been. No, that's awesome. I mean, literally, it's funny that you that, that you show that because I was laying down on the couch this morning, and Lyric, who's my youngest daughter, she's four. She walks in from my garage with a rainbow flag um, umbrella oh. that I have, and she walks in. And just casually walks by and goes, I support Pride Month, Dad. And then walks away. And I'm like, wait, what? That's awesome. Wait, hold on. But you're you're absolutely right, Renee. It does start with, you know, at at home, as, you know, parents, Mm -hmm. being able to explain to our kids that everybody is equal. I have two of my best gay friends that I got married, I got that that I got ordained to marry. Um, as soon as they passed the bill, they asked me if I would marry them. And I said, hell yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm still ordained, but all my <laughs> friends know I'm not going to marry you. That was a one-time thing. Um, but it's interesting because my oldest daughter, she's eight. She, she just asked my wife and I a look, to kind of explain to her about her gunkles, you know, what, <laughs> explain this to me. And my wife and I, we sat down and we kind of explained to her as best we could um, what it means to be gay in our understanding. And then I right. said, you know what? Next time Mark and, Mark and Tom are over here, why don't you ask them, baby? They'll be completely honest with you and they'll be completely vulnerable with you. Ask them. So she's like, I can't wait to ask them. So she's excited. But, you know, it's, it's just a, to, when, I, when I hear this, and you're showing me a picture of nine-year-olds when you said Lyric is four? Yes. That blows my mind that absolutely i don't know you know my husband is from mexico yeah and that's a whole other story about his immigration and so on and so forth but he finally gets reunited with his family after not seeing them for 15 years so he's coming back to mexico with the white Jewish boyfriend <laughs> from Queens. And I'm like, what are they gonna think? We, are, we get to the airport and they have signs up that say, we love you, T.O. Mark. Oh, oh, I just got chills. Makes me wanna cry. And we know this is a very Catholic country. My mother-in-law is very Catholic, but loves me and I love her. Oh. But I was so nervous and to see that, it's not even a, thought with him it's like that's Tio Fabian's esposo yeah so it's um to hear that your kids are so it's not the word's not even open because it's like do they even know what it's like to be closed right yeah. well they're my just, daughter they're just being my daughter right. is aware of the oppression do you know what I mean yeah. we do discuss it we do discuss right. the unfairness of of inequality and for her, uh, she just took it upon herself to just tell, like she wrote on Instagram, it's the best month ever, Pride Month, the best oh. month ever, you know? And it's like, I, <laughs> I, I just felt really, really proud myself. Well, that just says a lot about the both of you, you know, how you yeah. raise your kids, so. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people know that, that, you know, I've been a huge advocate for the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community for, for decades, um, yeah. you know, and I will continue to be. And, you know, with this new solo project that I'm working on, um, my first single, Love Song Love, you know, I, I just want to continue to spread 
love, equality, acceptance, and and educate people because a yeah. lot of the, uh, which I'm sure that you know, Mark, and you felt a lot of the oppression and the and the judgment comes from fear. All of that comes from fear, fear. and not understanding. And and look, okay, if you don't understand it or you don't get it, you don't have to. It's not your place. So right. zip the lip, move on. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> un, you know, it's instead of going against the grain and, yeah. you know, and I, I'm, I'm excited that it's Pride Month finally. Um, yeah. Some of my bandmates, well, one of my bandmates and uh, Lance from NSYNC and Joey, we are putting together a event for Pride Month coming up in the next couple That's of weeks. Awesome. So there's a oh, lot right. of, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon about Pride um, you know, I, I just want to go back to something, Mark, cause I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, do you feel like being HIV, HIV positive, do you feel like there is a stigma amongst the community now or, or do you think it's kind of lessened over the years? I mean, you know, it's a tough one because one thing I'm HIV positive in the recovery community. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the stigma is not there. I mean, it was the recovery community that, you know, really um, came together during the epidemic, especially in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. especially in Los Angeles. So it's, I've never felt the stigma. Um, I will say that when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed because I was active in my addiction. Um, I seroconverted, um, which means um, you become mm-hmm. HIV positive when I was in my addiction. So in this weird way, not a weird way, but God, I haven't even thought about this either. Thanks for the question. Um, I haven't, my husband and I, we got together. We were only 60 days sober each. I had a few days mm-hmm. more than him. I eventually had a couple of relapses, so he has more time. We just celebrated 10 years on you're Saturday. both sober wow. that's awesome congratulations that's, that's to the both of you that's awesome yeah. there were people who said oh you'll never last you only have 60 days it's not in the book anyway um yeah. <laughs> it's true it's not it's not <laughs> you know and you know and like i said i had two relapses during the relationship which was not easy um and it's the worst thing i've ever done mm-hmm. um but that said he's hiv positive i'm hiv positive we got together there's no stigma yeah um so i haven't in this strange way i haven't been in like the dating world as someone who's hiv positive um i know it's still out there i know that it's not the stigma's there but also what's there is like people just don't know or do they not want to talk about it um i don't know if it's not that they don't want to talk about it or it's just literally they don't think it's a problem Got yeah. It. yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 so crazy because there was so many years, you know, where that's all you heard on the news. That's that's mm-hmm. all that was talked yeah. about, and then it just kind of went to the wayside. Well, and it's almost like you don't hear it talked about enough anymore because it's like, look, it's still there. Well, you know, what, 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 and then what we have COVID, right? Right. But what what happened there is the advancement in drugs. So yes. it's yeah. a ma- exactly it's a so-called manageable disease. Do I still have HIV? Yes. Is it undetectable? Yes. Undetectable means my viral load is so low, tests won't detect it, nor can I transmit it during sex. So these drugs came along and everyone 
men stopped dying. Yeah, well, that's the dying. thing. It was yeah. a death sentence. I yes. remember oh, yeah. when it was an absolute death sentence. If somebody yes. got HIV, that just meant the, the clock just started. Yeah. That they're right. going to die. But we, you know? we don't it's necessarily inevitable. hear the positive yeah. of the, like what you just said, you know, with people just taking the drug or taking well, whatever what saying, yeah. they needed to but, take. But the, the, we didn't... The, the issue now is what's happening is, and it's like any health care. It's access to right. the treatment. It's access to preventative. Um, but I just did a story in Variety. Just Our most recent issue was our pride issue that we do every year. And I have my column there called Just Variety. And it's usually like, you know, industry insiders and different items about them. But this, this time, I dedicated the whole column to a man named Jeffrey Drew, who's a casting director here in LA. And he's part of an experimental cure trial. Wow. And... Wow. He's been HIV positive for 34 years. He mm. went through this treatment. And in the last six months, he's taken no meds for the HIV. And he's undetectable. Wow. You can't wow. technically say he's cured. But we're getting but there. But there's I an just, advancement, though. I mean, that's... Yes. That's, there's an advancement. And I was just literally before this podcast, I was on the phone with the CEO of AMFAR, who's the American Foundation for AIDS Research. And they're bringing back their live events and at CAM this year, and I said, "What's your What is the focus now?" He said, "We are laser focused on finding the cure." That's mm. great, and it's there. That's, That's around the corner. And it's important that we talk about this, you know, because not a lot yeah. of people know. And it's great that you write that column. You also have a podcast as well. Do you mainly yeah. interview more? Is that more on the celebrity side, or is that also more, more the celebrity side? Sort of the fun, you know, someone. Has what is it called, release. Mark? Just the variety. It was Got the it. big ticket. But we rebranded it just for variety back in December. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again, the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances, and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear, 
and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I, I, I kind of want to shift gears really quick and just kind of go... Go back to, because I'm curious as to what, uh, well, first, again, congratulations on being sober, yes, both you and your husband. That's, that's phenomenal. Um, when, when and why do you think did your addiction start? Was it like, be, would you say a lot of it was because of schedule and your job and the access to it? And, or was it even before that? It, so, you know, a lot of people think that you know, when I say I'm an addict and I'm in recovery, I was living some sort of rock and roll life because of what I did. Right. right. Mine was, yeah, I got drunk at events. That happened. But my heart, I was a crystal meth addict, mm. which I call, you know, it's the devil. Crystal meth yeah. is the devil. Oh, yeah. And what happened was, you know, this is going on almost 20 years ago. My dad was dying. I was working really hard. I was in New York. And I said, on the weekends, I'm getting loaded. Mm -hmm. I deserve I deserve to get loaded. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that. what I was saying was, I just didn't want to deal with everything that was going on. Sure. Right. Bunch of more family problems happened. I deserve to get loaded. I worked really hard. I deserve to get loaded. So for the weekends, I would disappear. My friends mm -hmm. would have no idea where I was. Um, and, you know, so why, why did it start? Start. Or was that your rock bottom? No, no. My rock bottom was being diagnosed with HIV. Right. You know, um, and that was about 15 years ago. Okay. But still didn't stop. Still went on a couple more years, a few more years. Mm -hmm. I'll be sober um, eight years on July 7th. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. um, so, you know, I had many rock bottoms. Um, was I homeless? Did I go to jail? No. Did I overdose? Oh, yeah. Um, but it was so, mine was so secretive. My friends, yeah. my closest friends had, they knew I partied. Right. But they had no idea that it was an addiction until I went right. to them and said, don't let me do cocaine anymore. Right. <laughs> that, that was, right. you know, and yeah, I wasn't doing cocaine anymore, but I was doing crystal meth, but they didn't right. know about that part. 
You gave up something you you weren't doing. (laughs) Did you ever go to the red carpet? Like, did you ever, were you using while you were working? No. Coming down, yes. Got it. Which is probably almost worse. I mean, depending on, This is the first time I'm going to admit something publicly, which I've not talked about ever. Only if you feel comfortable. Uh, Yeah, no, I do. Um, I was really messed up on live TV a bunch. Mm. Years before E. Got it. I would do some live TV hits, and I was, and the only people who would know something was up was the makeup artist. Right. Because they put their, like, your they're skin very is intimate with dry. You. Well, they, they, yeah. you know, they, they, they know everything. They, 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 they can see. Oh, yeah. They yeah. can see I mean, right when, through you. When, when we shot the video for our song, The Call, was the first time I tried cocaine. And it was a, it was a night shoot. So our call time was two in the, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning. And I had never touched the stuff. So I did it in my hotel room. I get on set and it like hits me and I'm like, woohoo, here we go. (laughs) And literally I'm in the makeup chair and I'm just like talking really fast and I'm jittery. (laughs) And the makeup guy, his name was Scott. And he's like, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, I just tried freaking blow for the first time. He's like, okay, first of all, dial it down. Let's not talk about this so loudly. And I, and I did tell one of my bandmates' wife who was on set. And she was really gracious enough to not tell the boys. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know. So I, you told people as you did it for the first I time. I told people, yeah, as I did it for the first time. And then, wow. you know, same thing, like you said. You never necessarily were in full party mode, like, while you were working. I swore to myself I would never be drunk on stage. And it's now happened three times. You know and what's funny? What's funny, horrible. AJ, is when, when we are high, we think people don't know we're high. Like exactly. I know, like AJ would call me from some country uh, talking uh, two in the morning, talking a million miles an hour. Uh, Jim Carrey and I are spirit animals and, and I've got an oh idea for this God. and that, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, bro, whoa. Yeah, I, you're. I, and I would say, are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just having a bunch of ideas. <laughs> been talking so yeah. fast. I mean, we could laugh about it now. Yeah, it's no, obviously totally. That's bit, not funny, yes. But especially yeah. my- crystal meth is not a joke. And I have friends that are in recovery from crystal meth. One of them is gay. And, and there, I'm not saying, I, I don't want to say, but it is a thing in the gay community. Oh, right? it's, I, call, I call it the second epidemic. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl, you asked me if people don't want to talk about HIV, they mm-hmm. don't want to talk about crystal meth. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah absolutely not. Yes. You know, and, you know, I went public with my recovery and my HIV status sort of all at the same time. I had, um, there's a big bike ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles called the AIDS ride. AIDS mm-hmm. Life Cycle, and raises money for the LGBT Center and the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. My husband had done it a bunch of times, and I did it. And I came home, and came home, and I turned to him and I said, I think I'm just going to tell the world. It's time. Wow. And I went on Instagram and I said, I'm HIV positive. You know, crystal meth was a problem for me. My party you just said it all. You know, and there were headlines that came out of it because, oh. as Cheryl said, you know, I was at E News, so it was like Ray Carver correspondent. Everyone knows Mark positive. Malcolm. Yeah. But the one thing that no one picked up on was I also said I was a crystal meth addict. Wow. The HIV was the big headline. The crystal right. meth sort of got right, kind of, and that to the was side. the one that I was most nervous about. Interesting. Now, and I'm what made you, even... what made you not want to tell your story prior to that? Career. Yeah. I was scared, um, and 
I needed sobriety under me. I didn't want people watching me going, oh, look, he right. just tripped. Is he drunk? Right. If I could come out and say, hey, this was, you know, like I was four or five years sober, then I could say, I have five years sober. Mm-hmm. You know, and so how did you feel when you, when you finally said that? I just got chilled you asking me that because that was, this is me, guys. Yeah. No, there's right? no secrets. There's no bullshit. There's Kimono no open. Yeah, you got to yeah, pull. That, yeah, pull back the layers. L- literally, like I just got chills now too. Yeah, you know, no, I know. But as we know in LA, it's such a it's huge hard. sober community. I mean, it the is. recovery oh, community, and you know, there's also the dark side though. <laughs> yeah, no, there is, and there there's is, always going to be that side. though. There's always mm-hmm. going to be that. I mean, how do you feel now, like? You know, I, 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 I will hopefully, I, you know, no frontsies like, like right. Renee tells me, but <laughs> on the eighth, I will have a year and a half sober yeah. and, um, you know, God willing, I get there. But, um, you know, I was just in Vegas this past couple of days for a charity event and it's my first time back in Vegas since I've been sober mm. and I got out unscathed, but it doesn't mean that my brain wasn't a little racy when I first got there because I was anxious. Right. It was a trigger maybe. And it's a little bit of a trigger, but like, you know, I stayed in contact with Renee. I talked to my wife. I, I didn't, you know, go disappear. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't disappear and not, not call somebody back. Like I normally do. I didn't call Renee a thousand miles a minute. (laughs) So my question to you, Mark is like, do you feel any, stress even now like doing a doing any kind of red carpet events doing any after party events being around you know yeah. that scene today what's a trigger really does yeah. that bother you or or, or you know you what know? it doesn't because Good. i i love my clear mind mm-hmm. yeah you know i will say when i was going to the i came to new york i'm in new york right now and i got to lax it's 10 and 10 in the morning my flight was at 10 so it must have been like 9 30. I'm at this bar restaurant just ordering a breakfast burrito and someone ordered a Bloody Mary. That was me. Not now, no, not just but, recently, but, but like but, that used to be yeah. me. But do you but do you know that in my head for a second I went, God, that would taste so good right now. Right, of course. Yeah. You know, but it's funny how the universe it, just tests, right? Yeah, you know, but kind of throws it's stuff. also I think it's a test and the universe likes to remind you of like yes. no you don't. How strong yeah. you are. Yeah, you know, Mark, how resilient. I like that. Mark, I like how, how you said you love your clear mind. That's the thing I, I try to tell mm-hmm. people, especially in early sobriety, still aren't comfortable in their own skin. And uh, you start to love what you are, who you are, where you're at. The, the idea of escape is no longer something you want to do. That said, of course, Vegas, right? Like we dropped a, AJ off on, on the way back from Zion. And... Um, yeah, Vegas is like whatever you see here stays here, right? It's it's all designed to escape your reality. Yes. I don't like being in Vegas. I don't like I the, the, the bright lights, the bells, the whistles. It. It's sex, gambling, dead, everything. Cigarettes. Smoke. Yeah. I, <laughs> smoke. I just don't like being there anymore. It just reminds me of just constantly being wasted, just 24-7. Yeah, I used to love I that. Just, you I, know, used I, know to, pe- I know people who are gambling addicts. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I see that, it, yes, that it was a just, different perspective for me this time because, I'm like, sure. just just seeing seeing people, whether it's people that were there with me, part of my crew, after the show, not getting loaded, but still drinking, like immediately mm-hmm. as soon as the show was over, or seeing people like at you know noon or eleven in the morning when I went down to get a coffee, mm. and they've got a one of those long giant doing the walk of shame, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm like. You know, at first, barefoot. Like, yeah, that was me. That was fun. Hands. But then I'm like, man, I don't, I don't miss that anymore. And and, I, and I just I'm don't. Proud of you, AJ. I that's, know that's great because now I know exactly what the outcome will be. Mm-hmm. Where before, I love, I would test it because I would yes. test my wife. I would test my friends. I would say, oh, my wife's gonna stay with me. My friends are gonna be cool. It's fine. But that's not that's not the reality. The reality is my wife would finally turn to me and say, I'm done. I would lose my children. I would lose everything that matters most to me. But, and that's yeah. just not worth it. But mainly, me, AJ, for- you did that for yourself. I mean, you must feel really yeah. good and, and proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. I am. I'm exhausted, but I'm exhausted from this past week. Because exactly. I have never, myself and Renee have never done the level of hiking that we did in Zion <laughs> ever in our life. So you got to wear them out. But the fact that the fact is you could do, you could do that sober. Yeah. yeah oh, no, that's yeah. before and you go wouldn't there. Do, like, what I love, what I love to say, and this goes back to the clear minded thing, but I always say, but I, the best, the thing that I love about being sober the most is I can breathe. Yes. Right. Yeah. I wake up in the feel. morning breathing. Yeah. Yeah, it's feeling. It's do you know yeah. Do you know what I compare being in Vegas sober to? It's like being at the strip club when the lights come on. When oh all god, the that's come or on. the clubs in general. With, yeah, yeah, that's and the it's, worst. Yeah. It's so depressing. You see all the stains, you see like all you the depression, like a, yeah. surgery all the anxiety. Light on you. Yeah. yeah, all yeah. the all the toxicity, right? Yeah. When I'm when I go through Vegas, back when I was still getting high, Vegas was the perfect way to disappear and not feel guilty about being an addict it's like you just go hard and hard and hard now it's like i can't wait to get out of here i cannot wait to be gone from here it also helps to see that though like because i'm like gosh that used to be me and i'm so happy that i feel great actually right now plus yeah there is there is something to be said about going to vegas and walking away from vegas with all your money in your pocket yep not dehydrated not a headache and just going home be like to I'm be good. clear, to be clear, I've never been in a strip club when the lights came on. No, yes, I can't. I can't say the same, guys. I can't say the same. I've never been to a strip club. I've Very been. Well. well, my father owns strip clubs, so I've seen all different types of lighting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Mark, you and I have something in common. Um, being chronic relapsers, uh, you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I just, I could put together, you know, back when I got sober the first time. July, July 9th, 2001. Uh, I was, I was just, I was just shy of seven years when I, when I went out and stayed out and I had been out up until literally this last almost 18 months on again, off again, I could put together four months, I think was the most I put together. And then I go right back out again. Why, why do you think relapse was such a thing for you? Like why, why do you think that was a thing? Um, because I kept it a secret. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, what yeah. I used to, I used to in my head say, I wish my friends knew and they would do an intervention. I would right. watch intervention shows and be jealous, right. which is such a demented addict way of thinking. 
a normal person would say, okay, if you feel that way, why don't you ask your friends for help? But do you yeah. think maybe no. you weren't ready and you just didn't want to hold yourself accountable? At that I think moment? so. I, th I think I was so fearful about my career. Mm -hmm. I was like, and I, I would say to people like, how do I, how can I go to rehab? Right. But like who, how, and this is, you know, we know this, you know, recovery has become much more accepted with just in the Absolutely. last couple of years or so. Yeah, very recent. So this is, you know, I move out to LA. So what happened was I'm in New York, my career's going great. Entertainment Tonight comes to me and says, hey, we want to move you to LA to help start this new show called The Insider. You want to come to LA? I said, yeah. So I'm fully geographic, not knowing what a geographic was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I'm not going to use when I get to LA. I'm going to start fresh. Well, you know, that lasted for one weekend. Yeah. Right. And I was so in my career, there was no way. And then, you know, I worked at Entertainment Tonight when all the Pat O'Brien stuff happened, if you remember that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there trying to get recovered and all of this. He's right. going on Dr. Phil to talk about having 30 days and I'm getting pissed. Like, what are you putting him on TV for? He only has 30 days. And, but I'm trying to get recovery and, Basically, what happened was I had a therapist and a sponsor say to me, you need to stand up as a newcomer. Mm. You need to yeah. take a newcomer trip, chip. chip every single time. Because if you don't, this you even if you're in the rooms, the secret's still there because no one knows your story. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that you know, I started standing up. There's yeah. a saying, uh, seek humility or it will find you. And when it finds mm. you, it's never pretty. And right. I agree with that. When I, I had 14 years, Mark, um, um, and I started playing poker. And my, my sponsor said, careful. There, there's right. reasons why they have Gamblers Anonymous. Oh, right. don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Uh, I go to meetings every day, blah, blah. And it took me down. And I eventually mm. relapsed on pills. I've got seven years back, but I have to tell you that for me, I learned a lot. And that is don't move away from the program. Yeah. That was for no, me. Yeah. Like, That's, you know, listen, my, my husband and I, you know, we're very like settled in our lives and we're not, you know, especially during COVID, we're not doing meetings um, very often. I was doing meetings when people asked me to speak, you know, that's mm -hmm. the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, to be in a relationship with someone who's sober, you know, is it's like, it's not even, it's so funny that, you know, you, this is Hollywood, right? So what happens? I get sent a lot of swag and gift bags. With What's alcohol in every gift? Oh, <laughs> alcohol. We Bottles. literally have bags of alcohol. I have sitting in gift bags yeah. I just give right. away for Christmas. I, like <laughs> I give it to my neighbors. Fabian works at a hair salon. He gives Anybody. it to people he works with. And I said to Fabian, I said, God, you imagine if we were active in our alcoholism, this would be so great. He's like, no, it wouldn't be, because right. there would be no alcohol there. We'd, That's we right. would have had a, Yeah, because you would burn through it. Yeah. We'd burn yeah. through oh, it. easily. So the, the, I guess the point of what I'm saying is, you know, no, Fabian's not my higher power. Um, he's not a meeting. Mm -hmm. But there is something to be said about- There's a language. With, uh, there's a, a language, language and there's, you know, I think it was last year on my my sober birthday. I think I put something on Instagram of like, you know, I'm celebrating seven years, seven years, blah blah blah. The greatest thing I've ever done in my life is getting sober. Mm -hmm. Fabian, that's my husband, calls me. He's like, 
that's the best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> and I said, babe, if I didn't get sober, I wouldn't have you. That is true. Right. That's 100% true. 100%, 100%. You know, no, I, can't, I can't say you're the best thing that happened to me because you would, you would not have had that. Right. And he gets it and he understands it. You know, okay. you're right, Mark. Like, you know, when I when I got sober, my all my groups of friends changed completely. Yeah. Um, everything changed. Like, honestly, from you know my lifestyle to I'm now married to everything has just changed. And you know, there is this saying that you are who you hang out with, and it's interesting to actually see your life now versus the way it was. My everyone has changed as far as my friends go. Yeah, you know. Like, like I said, with, with my life, it was very, um, it was so sweet. My life, it was so separate. It was so separate. So like, yeah. I didn't have drug friends. Right. I was one and done. no one knew. I part right. If yeah. I partied with you, I'm only partying with you once. There right. are some repeats here and there, but like, I know this is going to sound crazy. I never had a drug dealer. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm such an erotic, worrisome Jew from New York. <laughs> I thought if I had a drug dealer, I'd get arrested. Oh, so I always managed. So we're careful. addicts. Right. What are we? We're addicts. We're very resourceful. Someone else? Very resourceful. Get me, yeah. get me drugs. Like right. I would have friends, like when we would do cocaine in New York, they'd be like, Mark, your turn with the drug addict. I'm like, then we're not doing coke tonight. Mm -hmm. Yep. Would you I'm do it by tonight. yourself? Would you be doing, or was it more within like a group of people? More within just this dark under, this crystal meth underground. That's what I call it. It's yeah. an underground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark, Mark, I have, uh, I mean, look, we could keep talking and I, I know. keep talking, but <laughs> I can talk to you for we only hours. have time. We, yes, we only have time <laughs> yeah. for one more quick uh, question. Sure. And, and mm -hmm. I, I just want to ask, because you're a public figure, because a lot of people, uh, I'm sure, not only in the LGBTQ plus community, but outside of that community, yeah. look up to you. Um, what what advice do you have for anyone that's you know struggling out there? Doesn't matter if they're in the business or not. If they're afraid to come clean about having a problem, what is what is your advice? If or what or what can you, you know, say to maybe give them some hope? I say get to a meeting. Mm -hmm. Get to a meeting. That doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean it's going to turn around like that. You know, I wanted that quick solution. I wanted, okay, I'm going to go to the meeting. I'm going to get 30 days. I'm going to get 90 days. I'm going to be Mr. Gung-ho Program 12-stepper. You know, you know you know how it is. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. Patience. And don't let anyone, as much as we sit here and say it's the best thing that ever happened to me, um, it's, you know, uh, I couldn't have anything without it. That doesn't mean I don't have my hard days. Of yeah. course. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't have insecurity, you know. Absolutely. This year, COVID has been tough. I lost my brother unexpectedly. So not COVID, not drugs, probably an untreated alcoholic. But the difference is I'm dealing with it. Mm. Yeah. And I know it sound it might sound Sounds weird to someone <laughs> who's scared to deal with their problems. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than dealing with it sober. That's and right. Also. Knowing that when you're dealing with, how do I phrase this? This is probably a little too in the weeds, but I'm definitely, I could be hot-headed. I'm a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. So I could really, you know, if customer service isn't treating me right, I could, ah, you know, that whole thing. 
Well, I'm the same way. Once, I mean, I'm from the Bay Area. Right. So. <laughs> and then, right. And, but then once I do it now, being sober, I'm like, I'm sorry, I just treated yes, you. Yes. You make yeah. amends, yeah. Yes. You make yes. amends. And yes. you're not even totally. realizing you're making amends. You're not saying even in your head, I'm making amends, but you knew something you're was conscious. wrong. conscious, yeah. And there's something good about consciously knowing when you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mark, and that helps. Mark, I have to say that um, when I found out you were coming on and when I, when I found out that you're sober, instantly my shoulders drop and I go, oh, kinship. We can just talk forever. Yeah. I know yeah. we can talk <laughs> forever. I could be out and about in different parts and someone mentioned, I hear them yes. say something that we know, right? Yeah. We, that we know they're friends of Bill and we're like, oh man, I want to just talk to this person. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's that beautiful energy, right? The language. My wife's in recovery as well through Al-Anon and her and I can sort through our stuff now, right? It doesn't yeah. have to turn into such a big deal because yep. we're not communicating. Now it's right. like You're when you said this, language. it hurt my feelings. Oh, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I'm glad you told me. Thank you for telling. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a whole different thing. So I'm glad that you in recovery and with, you know, HIV, I lost two brothers mm. in, in uh, recovery and I, I swear the program carried me through, carried me through all of that. My higher power, uh, my, my friends in the program, they carried me through. So it's so nice for me to see you and your enthusiasm yeah. for the program. Yeah. Like that's and contagious. Mark, it's contagious. Absolutely. And Mark, it's so nice. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. It's so nice to cross paths with you again, you know, I and know, just to is. see, you know, you met me too in my crazy days and my party days. Um, mm -hmm. And it's nice to see, you know, that the both of us have, you know, switched to the, to the other side. And it's, I look know, forward it's, to it's seeing nice. you again, Mark, too, myself face yeah. to face. Yeah. And now knowing we can give ourselves a little nod and go, yeah. Well, that, how you are know, you doing? The, you good? Are, are you good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I just wanted to add, I know you guys have to wrap it up. I just want to add, um, AJ, you were asking about advice. The other advice that I say to newcomers or someone who's struggling, play, play out the tape. Yes, play so the tape through. Right now, you want to have a drink? Okay, have a drink. Now, just think about what's going to happen at the end of that tape. Mm. And yeah. that gets me, that has yeah. saved me because That's that takes advice. me to regularly not even exactly. just drinking and drugging it's like do that you miss me... do you miss suicidal depression have right. a margarita but it never stops <laughs> at just one you know never stops never. No. it does it no. that's the thing so. thank you mark thank you so much thank you. this was awesome you're mark, always you... welcome back and um stay safe out there happy pride month this is going to be a thank great you. month and uh all the best to you and your husband, and hopefully Thank we'll you. get and your to dogs. see you face to face, and your you. and your children, <laughs> your four-legged <laughs> children. It's great Thanks to see everybody. you, Mark. Thank you. Take Thanks, care. buddy. Bye, bye. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Cheers. It's crazy because I I know I think I knew him when he was still maybe um, using, you know, and so like and same with me, and so it's just crazy to see the other side, right? So yeah, because like it, we I I think it was two thousand six when I came to Los Angeles, so I and I remember. Mark definitely throughout like the beginning part of my time here in see, I, see, I don't think I ever met you when you were active and I'm not gonna lie I'm kind of glad I didn't meet you when you were active but now I have nothing to compare it to like I've only known you sober and right. you're from from what you've told me while we were on the show to even on this show to just having conversations like 
yeah, uh, you, you've come a long way. And it's, you know, and it's nice to see that now. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't even picture you oh that my gosh. way. Just you like know, I actually... can't picture Renee that way either. I've known Renee 20 years. Yeah. I can't picture him even remotely high on it's... anything. It's so mm. crazy. I'm going through old pictures because like we were shooting something um, anyway, like pilot and they need old pictures of me when I was wasted and like when my hair was sweaty and I was partying and it. Ha- I have to say, look, I definitely when you guys talk about like having that thought, right, like you in Vegas, when I was in Hawaii, I for the first time I've, I thought about possibly drinking. And it was um, really scary for me because I think I think what triggered it, I'm not saying like what he did was bad, but my husband had a glass of champagne or whatever. And my senses, I don't know about you guys, but have come back and so strong, right? So I can smell it from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it mm. definitely triggered something in me. And it was, um, it was interesting because I was just, I think right away I felt shame, right? Over mm. that thought. And I didn't, and look, and it's I felt normal, a sense of Cheryl. like weakness, right? I felt no, like, Cheryl. oh my God. It, 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 we should talk a little bit about that. It, it's, we're addicts, right? It'd be mm. weird if we never, even but for I never a moment. Did. No, I know, but it's going to happen. You're, you're, you're in paradise, mm-hmm. right? People are having their little uh, drinks and no one's bursting into flames and the, the temperature's perfect. Everything's awesome. Mm-hmm. What would be so wrong? That's you get free bottle, like it's a happy anniversary, bottles of champagne being yeah, delivered yeah. to our room. And, yeah. But it's normal. It's normal. Okay, I wanted to, I wanted to say that like having Mark on right now really, really made me feel so proud to be sober, mm-hmm. seeing his enthusiasm. And I wanted to say to in, any of our listeners that are struggling that sobriety, like Mark said, it's the absolute greatest thing that's ever happened to me like you guys i've had a lot of experiences meeting kings and queens and sultans and whatnot but i swear to you the greatest feeling in the world is feeling okay no matter where you are no matter Mm -hmm. around whoever you're with under any sky with any tribe to feel comfortable in your own skin Mm -hmm. that's the greatest thing now if you're not struggling in your life then keep doing what you're doing but if you are struggling with drugs or alcohol or other disorders or addictions give this thing a go man it's the most beautiful thing yes i'm watching aj bloom like literally bloom having him go to vegas and in the back of my mind i'm like god people even ask me just so you know aj is is aj gonna be okay in vegas and i said how are you feeling renee how am I feeling about how how were you feeling during oh, when he Well, when, you know, when, it's last time he was in Vegas, <laughs> it didn't go well. You no. know, there's been there's been a few times in Vegas and I look, I'm a realist. Vegas is an Achilles heel for a lot of drug addicts and mm-hmm. alcoholics. It not only promotes um not only does it not um talk, you know, against all these seven deadly sins, it encourages you to just let loose. And when you see everybody in this, like I said to Mark a second ago, uh, positivity is contagious, negativity is contagious. And also when you're in a sea of people, they're all smoking, they're all drinking, they're all doing all this, they're gambling, all this, you have to be on solid ground. And so, yeah, in the back of my mind, I was like, I hope AJ will be okay because I've, gone out to Vegas a few times to kind of like help him like get out of the hole he had gotten himself into but I also felt confident 
You know, mm-hmm. we we just spent yeah. five amazing days doing yeah. stuff naturally. We're yeah. mountain biking. We're hiking. We're hiking through water. There must for, have been like a high with that too. You know? Oh, that, it was a spiritual uh, experience. Yeah, to to say the least. Yes, like, yeah. I agree. And so I felt like you know what, I feel like AJ's really starting to taste what it's like to not want to escape his own life. That I felt almost ninety nine point nine percent sure that he wasn't going to say, oh, like in the old days. You know what, I'll drink tonight. And then I won't drink tomorrow. And by the time I get home, blah, blah, blah all that addict mentality. Yeah. I, f- I felt really confident that he wasn't going to uh, relapse there. It yeah. doesn't mean we don't stay vigilant. Totally. We have to continue what we're doing. Or like if, if he wasn't going to as many meetings and, and uh, us talking recovery and doing the work, doing the steps, and then he went to Vegas, I would not be 99.9% yeah. sure. Yeah. I also <laughs> wonder if I had this trigger of drinking again because I d- didn't, like it sounds weird, but because I wasn't a part of the podcast for a week, like I think in a way this has been kind of my um, test, like you said, like it's a, like like a universe. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. normal. Uh, you need to know. It's very normal for anyone in recovery t- to like at least raise an eyebrow and go, hmm. Would mm-hmm. it be so bad right now? Would it mm-hmm. be that bad? It as is, long as it is yeah. normal. Yeah, it's a longer, it's longer discussion, though, just, conversation. Just like, but like Mark yeah. said, you just got to play it through. Have you ever been able yes. to have one and leave it at one? No. Yeah. My truth is no. That's just yep. the beginning. Same I'm here. Just, I'm literally just pulling the pin off the hand grenade. That's yep. it. That's all I'm doing. The one drink is pulling the pin. I'm going to blow up. Might not yep. be immediately, but I'm going <laughs> to blow up. But at some up. point, right. yes. All right, you guys, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to answer one of your emails and wrap things up. So uh, stay tuned. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums 
to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you guys. So we are back here on iHeartRadio, pretty messed up. Uh, so we always ask you guys, our listeners, uh, to send us emails, questions, and whatnot. And we have one today uh, from Rebecca, uh, who asks... I adopted my two nephews because of substance abuse by their parents. Their dad's been clean going on nine years now and is running his own business. So he sees them every other weekend. Mom, on the other hand, has done nothing to get clean. I've told her to be clean at least six months and be in therapy for her issues. And I would let her see them. In your opinion, am I going about this in the right way? She hasn't seen her boys in nine years now, and the oldest is 14 and wants to see her, do you think he will resent me for this decision even though she is very unstable? Oof, good question. Um, that yeah, is a good question, Rebecca. That that's is heavy. That's heavy a toughie. Question. That's a heavy yeah. question. I, I think, I mean, look, is there a right or wrong answer um, on what you're doing to protect um, your nephews? Uh, I don't think there is. Um, I think what you're doing, you're doing out of love. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're doing out of concern for their well-being. I think what's um, hard is that is he, one of them is 14 years old, right? So yeah, and, and wants to see his mom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also, side note, congrats to the dad for getting his life together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I mean, look, Rebecca, I, I think... I think you're doing the right thing, in my honest opinion, and what I would do. As far as the oldest uh, wanting to see his mom, I think that should be his choice. That is his mom. But I think maybe you go along, or maybe dad goes along uh, to supervise, just to make sure that nothing goes south, um, and that he, he is safe. Or maybe um, they have conversations about what, they, what the actual issue is i'm not sure if that has happened yet do you know what first uh, i'll be open and say i don't feel qualified yeah <laughs> same yeah we're like not this, yeah. this is like not heavy stuff. I mean, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm just saying my personal opinion if yeah, yeah 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 no, but yeah no, totally it's this is a really heavy question right where mm -hmm. and and i feel like if i were her I would want to consult with a child psychologist yeah. you know a professional that that can 
she could tell all the details of, of what's going on, what his state of mind is. Like, there's a lot of moving parts here, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like, uh, can he handle seeing his mom? Will it be worse? You know, I had a situation where when my second brother got killed in a car accident, um, my sister-in-law wanted me to go help her identify him at the morgue, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I had just, uh, three months earlier, was dealing, I just, you know, found my brother dead, my other brother, sorry to drop this into the, oh my God, zone, but... Uh, I, I couldn't do it, but she wanted to take the kids. And I said, that's not a good idea, but they want to go. And they were young. And I told her, I said, it's not a good idea. It's up to you to be the adult right now and do the right thing. I get it. They want to see their dad one more time, but that's not the way to see them. Anyways, I shouldn't talk too, too much about this other than I think that professional guidance from mm -hmm. a child psychologist that can actually meet the boy, see what, see, they could give you a, probably a lot better uh, Are you guidance a trauma, on this. a trauma uh, yeah, specialist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of moving parts to that. So, mm -hmm. no, I, I agree with you, AJ. It's like she's done a great job protecting yeah. the kids, yeah. you know, and now sooner or later they're going to want to yeah, meet their mom. But, yeah. yeah. Beyond that, under the right like, circumstances, but yes. you're doing yes. great so far, Rebecca. So yes, yes. thank you for that. Yeah, thank you Admirable. so much for your question, Rebecca. And as always, guys, please keep sending us questions through our email. And um, we definitely want to thank our amazing guest, yes, Mark. Mark. Malkin. Mark was thank amazing. You. Amazing. Thank you. So Thank good, you, Mark. So good. And, and uh, did you guys miss me, boys, or what? We no, no. Did. You, that's we not did. even. That's an understatement. That's <laughs> I an understatement. You guys so much. L literally, we we're like we just sat here and stared at each other. Yeah, basically. You know, <laughs> no, I heard like, you guys have fun. You're like Renee was like. Now that we've got no one looking over our shoulder, <laughs> unsupervised. I heard you. Unsupervised. There you go. You were unsupervised. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you were. No well, adult you guys, supervision. You and your bromance. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we do have a bit funny. of a bromance. It's fine. So listen, everybody, stay tuned for uh, the next episode here on iHeartRadio with Pretty Messed Up. Y'all stay safe out there, and we will see and talk to you soon. Thank Bye. you for listening. Bye, guys. Follow Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. 
Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.